0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the four episode four of the weekend sports wrap podcast for November 29th. Coming up, we will get a look at the Cowboys loss and the Broncos win this weekend in football action, as well as the Cowboys basketball teams continued success on the court. And we will recap the Thanksgiving weekend's football action across the country. But first, we will take a look at the local sports action from this past weekend. The Sheridan Hawks were on the road in Montana, taking on Helena on Friday and Saturday the Hawks got beat down bad both nights losing on Friday, nine to one. Then on Saturday, fifteen to nothing. The lone goal of the weekend for the Hawks came from Wyatt Noble on Friday, late in the third quarter, with the assist coming from Caden McDonald. The Hawks will be on will be back at home again this weekend, taking on the Bozeman Ice Dogs on Friday and Saturday with the puck scheduled to drop at 7.30 in both of those games. The winter sports season for the local high schools is right around the corner. The Bronx basketball teams will open up the season on December 9th with a three-day tournament in Riverton, while the Bronx wrestlers will be hosting a double duel against Warland and Tongue River to start the season. The Wyoming Cowboy football team dropped a disappointing season finale against Hawaii on Saturday, falling to the Rainbow Warriors 38-14. The Cowboys were coming off one of their best games of the season heading into this game. However, Hawaii showed up, and just straight-up punched the Pokes in the mouth, jumping out to a 24-0 lead thanks to their quarterback, Chayvon Cordero, who uh, who finished the day going 19-31 for 31 for 323 yards, three touchdown passes, and one interception. The Pokes got their first touchdown of the day with 136 remaining in the first half with a four-yard touchdown run by Titus Swin. However, with the final seconds remaining in the first half, uh, Hawaii was able to complete a Hail Mary from the 50-yard line for a touchdown as time expired to put Hawaii up 31-7 to seven in that going into halftime which uh, all but sealed it for the Pokes in that one. The only uh, only points scored in the rest of the game for Wyoming was an uh, 88-yard drive late in the third quarter that cut the lead to 31-14, but that was as close as they were going to get, and uh, Hawaii answered, adding the final touchdown of the game when uh, Cordero found his tight end Stephen Fiso from uh, 32 yards out to extend their lead to 38-14 with 6.27 remaining in the fourth quarter, which is how the game would end. Uh, for the Pokes, quarterback Levi Williams completed 15 of 24 passes for 161 yards and one touchdown. Not a great game, not a terrible game. He didn't turn the ball over, which is good, but you need more offense than that if you're gonna if you're gonna want to beat Hawaii in this game. Um, he also led the team in rushing, which is not a good thing. With 43 yards, running back Xavier Valade rushed for 42 yards and caught three passes for 19 yards. And Titus Swin also had a very quiet day, rushing ten times for just 19 yards and uh, the one touchdown. The best player on the offense was probably wideout Isaiah Nair, who, cat, uh, who caught three passes for 78 yards and a touchdown. On the def- on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker Chad Muma and safety Isaac White led the team in tackles with nine, and defensive end Victory Jones, what a name, intercepted his first pass of his career. All in all, a disappointing end to the regular season for the Cowboys in a game they should have absolutely won to push them over the 500 mark, uh, but now for the Pokes, their, desti- their destiny is left in the hands of others. Conference Championship games will be played this upcoming weekend. Utah State and San Diego State will compete for the Mountain West Championship, and then after that we will get into bowl selections where the 6 and 6 Cowboys will hope they did enough to get to be given a uh, bowl invitation all in all up and down year. You know, they had that that uh that state that uh that that spot right in the middle of the season in the middle of September into October where it was really bad. They were down very bad. Uh, losing to teams they should not have been losing to. The offense was a mess. Uh, They switched things up at quarterback, and it seemed to fix a little bit of things. They got the best win in Utah State, the best win they could have asked for. Um, The Boise State loss hurt, but they could have won that game. So very up and down. They end the season, I would say mostly on a high note. This loss wasn't great, but for the most part on a high note, even if they don't win, if they don't get into a bowl, I'd say 6-6, 500. It's very eh, you know? You expect more. You do expect more out of a team like this. They should be competing with the money that they have in the program in the Mountain West. They should be competing for Mountain West championships. but They haven't done that yet, so we'll see what happens. Uh, The bowl game, they get a bowl invitation, they win the bowl, they finish the season above five that that'll be good. But, you know, very up and down. Hopefully they can work on it and fix things for next season. You want to see a more explosive offense next season. In the Cowboys, especially in the passing game, the run game is all. But you know, you can rely on the run on the run game every single game. But uh, you want to see more of a pass explosion from them uh, for next season in order to beat the teams like Boise State, the teams like Utah State year in year out, the teams that are away from conference, that sort of thing. You need a, an explosive pass game in order to do those sorts of things. Um, as for the rest of college football, it was rivalry. It was rivalry weekend. That is such a hard. Two words to say together, rivalry weekend all across the college football landscape this past weekend. Ninth-ranked Ole Miss took on Mississippi State Thanksgiving Day in the Egg Bowl. Uh, Ole Miss won 31-21, and now Ole Miss will likely have a New Year's Six Bowl to prepare for in the coming weeks, thanks to a 10-2 and season that ended with them probably more than likely being in the top 10 in the final AP poll. Uh, fourth-ranked Cincinnati went on the road and dominated East Carolina 35-13 on Friday, meaning the Bearcats. Finished their regular season 12 and 0, and will have a meeting with Houston in the American Athletic Conference championship. And if they win that, they will likely be the first Power Five team to make the College Football Playoff since it began back in 2014. 20th ranked NC State was at home and stunned North Carolina on Friday night, winning 34 to 30. North Carolina was up 30 to 21 with 2:12 left to play in the fourth quarter. And then NC State scored a touchdown with 142 to play, recovered an onside kick, and then scored again with 112 to play, making it two touchdowns in 26 seconds to complete an unbelievable comeback and beat the Tar Heels 34-30. to On Saturday, Michigan finally got the demon in Ohio State off their back by beating the Buckeyes 42-27 for the first time since 2011, before Jim Harbaugh was head coach. Ah, uh, with the win, Michigan advances to the Big Ten championship game, and with a win in that one, they will have won their first conference championship game since or first conference championship since 2004. And more importantly, will more than likely find themselves in the College Football Playoff, where they win with a chance to win their first national title since 1997. Uh, third-ranked Alabama was on the road, uh, taking on in-state rival Auburn. It took four overtimes, but Bama was able to sneak out of Jordan Hare Stadium with a win, 24 to 22. At one point in this game, Auburn led 10-3 and had a 99.9% chance to win the game according to ESPN's win probability, Um, but that didn't shake out. Of course, it's a Georgia team. Uh, The win for Alabama sets up a must-win situation in the SEC championship game against Georgia. If Bama Bama is able to win that one, they will undoubtedly make the college football playoff. If they lose, they will more than likely be out. As for Georgia, though, even if they lose at this point in the SEC title game, I think they're in undefeated, dominated basically every team they've played against. They beat Clemson at the beginning of the year. They've they've dominated a lot of teams, and their defense is one of the best in the country. I don't think there is a situation, even if they lose this game against Alabama, even if they get blown out in this game by Alabama, I think they sneak in as the four seed. I don't see them dropping any lower than that. Um, so I, I just don't see it. I think Georgia's in no matter what at this point. Uh, finally, seventh-ranked Oklahoma State was at home and beat tenth-ranked Oklahoma in uh, the Bedlam game, 37 to 33. The win for Oklahoma State snapped a six-game losing streak, and they punched their ticket to the Big 12 title game against Baylor, and will have their first conference title shot since 2011. But none of those games, none of those games, held a candle to the flame of the news that broke on Sunday: the Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley would be leaving his job at Oklahoma to become head coach at USC. It is an unprecedented move uh, for a head coach of a top-caliber program like Oklahoma, a top, top top-caliber program like Oklahoma, uh, to leave to go to another school of similar pedigree like Riley did and how Riley did it. Uh, Riley didn't announce that he was leaving until Sunday afternoon. It seems like the presidents and the board of trustees didn't know until he was leaving Sunday afternoon. The Oklahoma players didn't know he was leaving until Sunday afternoon. And while he was leaving, he also poached some of OU's assistant coaches on the way out, including Oklahoma's defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, and wide receivers coach, Dennis Simmons, as well as a few others. Uh, The move also pretty much nuked Oklahoma's uh, recruiting classes with six recruits from upcoming classes, all T committing from the team, including two five-stars and a few four-stars, all seemingly looking to commit now to USC and follow uh, Lincoln Riley over to Southern California
1: delicious mcdonald's deals are now more fun more accessible and better than ever through the mcdonald's mobile app get free large fries when you download the app and join my mcdonald's rewards get your choice of hash browns vanilla cone mcchicken or cheeseburger free after your first purchase the new mobile ordering feature lets you use your smartphone to place your order pay for it pick it up go to google play or apple app store and download the new mcdonald's mobile app and start saving today mcdonald's there's an app for that (laughs)
0: As an Oklahoma fan myself, I have not, I've made that pretty clear, I'd like to say, in past podcasts and the Saturday Sports Show, if you've listened to that, the halftime show. I am an Oklahoma fan, and uh, this one, this one hurt. I didn't, I didn't, if he leaves, he leaves. I never, I always thought if Lincoln Riley got the national championship that he's always kind of needed to kind of boost his pedigree up into that next tier of coaches he was going to leave to go be in the NFL. That was always kind of a path that I thought he was going to take. But this, man, I this this one hurts. I mean, he didn't tell any of the players until Sunday afternoon. There was no hint that, I mean, he had that short time in the early of November during the bye week where he was kind of away, but he said it was personal reasons. Now, I don't expect him to tell everybody that he's going to USC and all that jazz, but there was never a feeling from the administration that they were preparing for him to leave, if that makes sense. There was never that sort of vibe that he had, you know, his time had run out. He never looked like he wasn't enjoying himself. And then the way he did it, uh, there are a couple of videos of him leaving in the middle of the night in Oklahoma City, dry, leaving out of um, the airport and try and flying to USC early in the morning, the wee hours of the morning over in California. And uh, with him, are two assistant coaches as well as, you know, the strength coach for the Oklahoma program. It's just a, as an Oklahoma fan, as a person that's been, I'm also an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. The only thing I could really equate it to was Kevin Durant. But I, I would much rather have Kevin Durant's way of doing it than I think Lincoln Riley's way of doing it, even though I dislike the move that Kevin Durant made more than the one that Lincoln Riley did. I didn't like the way Lincoln Riley did it more than I did didn't like the way Kevin Durant did it, if that makes sense. Lincoln, it just seems like he's grabbing the keys and running out back. I mean, at least Kevin had the, uh, the audacity. I mean, it's all uh, it's obviously crumbled and fell apart in the year since, because, you know, Kevin Durant has not shown any sort of love towards Oklahoma City. And not and rightfully so. The Oklahoma City fans have not shown him any sort of love either. But it's just a different set of circumstances. There's no reason to believe that Lincoln Riley would have left for USC other than He didn't want to go to the SEC. He didn't want the smoke of the SEC. He didn't want to play in the SEC. He didn't want to play against the SEC, which is weird to me because you're going to get the best recruits in the SEC almost always. Um, You're going to get the most money out of the SEC. You're going to have the best facilities in the SEC. Whatever you want, you're more than likely going to get it in the SEC. So the reason he's leaving has got to be, I mean, the Pac-12 is not as good as the SEC by any means. They haven't had, a single person make the playoffs since Washington made it a few years ago and they got blown out by Alabama, if I remember correctly. So, I don't know. I, it feels kind of like a cop-out at this point. He may have not wanted to go to the SEC, but then, you know, it's not like he—it I it never felt like he wanted the USC job. I'm venting at this point. You know, the microphone right now is my therapist, and I could just—I might just sob right into the microphone. What if I do that? Who cares? You know, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. But lo- bottom line— what Lincoln Riley did, a little soft, kind of stab in the back. Don't feel good about it. Hurts my back a little bit. He's going to take more and more recruits from Oklahoma and take them over to USC. He was recruiting on the West Coast near USC for the last several weeks, which doesn't make me feel good either because it seems like he was just recruiting for USC at that point. You know, what? Uh, uh, you know, bad feeling. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I want to throw up. Sunday sucked. That's what I'll say. There you go, Period. Uh, moving on to basketball, the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team continues to have a solid start to the season, starting five and zero. The Pokes went on the road and beat Grand Canyon last Monday, sixty-eight to sixty-one, with Hunter Maldonado leading the team in points with seventeen rebounds, with seven and assists with seven. The two forwards down low were difference makers as well, with Graham Ike, of course, tacking on an extra thirteen points and grabbing six rebounds. Where uh, Jeremiah, uh, while Jeremiah Odin scored twelve points and grabbed five rebounds as well, and had an assist and a block. The Cowboys then came back home and dominated Hastings College on Friday, 108-59. It was a scoring fest for the Pokes, with four players posting double figures and points, including guard Drake Jeffries, who scored 33 points while grabbing seven rebounds. Uh, Graham Mike had another good game in this one as well, notching a double-double with 14 points and 10 rebounds, while also dishing out three assists and tacked on four steals on the defensive side as well. The Pokes will have a three-game week this week. First, they will be on the road, taking on Cal State Fullerton Monday night with first tip scheduled for 8 p.m., and then they will come back home for a matchup against Denver University on Thursday with tip scheduled for 7 p.m. in that one, and then they will close out the week with a matchup at home against McNeese, the the McNeese Cowboys. Uh, Tip is scheduled for 2 p.m. in that one, and you'll be able to hear all the action in those matchups as well as every game this season for Cowboy Basketball on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO. The Wyoming Cowgirls basketball team hasn't had a as hot of a start to the season as the uh, as the Cowboys. They set it 3-3 so far this year and are coming off a three-game week where they did go 2 one Uh They opened the week on Monday at home against Chatterin State and won that one 71-48. Uh, McKinley Bradshaw led the Lady Lady Pokes in scoring in that one with 16 points. Freshman Allison Fertig also added a double-double off the bench with 14 points and 10 rebounds. And then the Lady Pokes had a couple days off before taking on Tulane at home. On Friday where they fell to the Green Wave 73-67, McKinley Bradshaw led the Cowboys, uh, excuse me, the Cowgirls in scoring for the fourth straight game and that and that one this time with 18 points and she also grabbed nine rebounds. Quinn Whiteman had a decent scoring game uh with 15 points as well but shot 5 of 16 from the field. She also grabbed five rebounds, dished two assists and notched two steals. Allison Fatigue had a good game off the bench in that one as well, scoring 15 points in 16 minutes while grabbing another Six rebounds. Finally, in their final game this week, they went on the road and dominated Denver University, 81 to 51. Allison Fatigue and McKinley Bradshaw matched each other in points, with 16 points apiece. While Fatigue also added six rebounds, and Bradshaw added five rebounds and two steals. The Cowgirls also had double-digit scoring efforts from Quinn Weidemann, who had 13 points, and Grace Ellis, who had 11 points in that one. The Cowgirls will only have two games this week, with their first game coming on Friday on the road against Gonzaga, with tip scheduled for 7 p.m. So a long a long, uh, long week off until they get onto the road and take on Gonzaga on that one, and then they will take on North Dakota State at, State at home on Sunday with tips scheduled for 1 p.m. and that one. You'll be able to listen to those games and Cowgirl games all season long on Smart Talk 106.3 FM. Moving on to the NFL, the Denver Broncos got a super important divisional victory over the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday, winning 28-13. The Broncos were able to pull away thanks to a sensational second-half defensive performance even after quarterback uh, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt in the first quarter with a minor injury but came back into the game after halftime. Bridgewater, in his shortened time, went for uh, went 11-for-18 with 129 yards and a touchdown while uh, with Locke's short time in the second quarter on the field concluded going 4-for-7 for 26 yards and an interception in the running back room. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams continued to split carries as they have done all season long, with Gordon getting 17 carries to Williams' 14. Uh, Gordon got the better day out of the line, getting 3.8 average yards before contact in route to 4.9 yards per carry, while Williams had just 2.9 yards on average before contact with 3.9 yards per rush. With the juggling quarterbacks, the wide receivers didn't have a great day. No Denver, No Denver player had over 26 receiving yards. Uh, Tim Patrick had 26 exactly on three targets and two receptions, while Jerry Judy had the highest yards per route run at 1.32. On the offensive line, guard Quinn Miners allowed four pressures, including one QB hit, and tackle Cameron Fleming gave up two pressures. However, they were the only two linemen who gave up multiple pressures all game and a pretty solid day for the Broncos O-line as a whole. Cameron Fleming also had the highest graded day um, on the uh, O-line for uh, run blocking as well. On the defensive line, McTelvin Aguim recorded a sack and three pressures. Stephen Weatherly notched a sack and two pressures. And Jonathan Cooper and Deshaun Williams both had had a sack as well. Malik Reed and Draymond Jones have both tallied four pressures, but didn't record a sack in what was an outstanding day for the Bronco defensive line. Uh, the linebackers were probably the only blemish for the Broncos all day, as they have been all year, just because of injuries. Uh, Kenny Young made two stops against the run, but gave up by touchdown and two first downs on five targets for 56 yards, and for the most part, the secondary for the Broncos really showed out all game. It wasn't as great of a day for Kyle Fuller, who was picked on all day, giving up nine receptions for 11, on 11 targets for 136 yards. However, on the opposite side of the field, rookie Patrick Sertain had a fantastic game, giving up four receptions on eight targets for just 42 yards, but he also picked off Herbert twice, uh, the first one that was intended for tight end Jared, H- Jared Cook in the end zone, Early in the fourth quarter, that led to a Broncos scoring drive to put them up twenty-one to seven. It completely changed the game. Uh, the second one came off the hands of Austin Eckler, who watched a watched as Sertain ran it back seventy yards, reaching speeds of twenty-two point zero seven miles per hour, the fastest by a defensive back with the ball in his hands in the last five years. Touchdown that put them up twenty-eight to seven with seven twenty-eight left, and that all but sealed the victory for the Broncos. Two huge plays for the Broncos defense and Patrick Sertain in particular that basically changed. Um, the entire game for the Broncos, they had a chance to be tied uh, 14-14, to but Patrick Sertain picks it off. They take it back. Uh, the Bronco offense takes it back and scores, making it 21-7, and then obviously the pick six, which pretty much sealed the game um, for the Broncos. That win for the Broncos makes them 6-5 and five and puts them smack dab in the middle of the AFC West Divisional race. Just one win behind the leading Kansas City Chiefs, which makes their next matchup this upcoming weekend all the more important against who else than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs come into this matchup sitting at 7 and 4 and started out the season very disappointing but have seemingly turned things around after ha- and around having won uh they've won four in a row now. Uh their defense, their defense was terrible to start the season but have made some personnel changes and trades and over the past 3 games those changes have paid dividends with the Chiefs defense coming in ranking higher in multiple categories uh better than the Denver Broncos including opponent yards per play, yards per pass. Opponent per opponent yards per rush, total yards per game, and points per game. And uh, of all the things, the Chiefs uh, of all the things for the Chiefs, the offense has been in question for the past three games as well as all season. Uh, they're they're the ones that haven't really figured it out yet. The defense looks like they've changed it. They got Melvin Ingram, which was a huge addition. People aren't talking that about uh, talking about that enough. Melvin Ingram Melvin Ingram was a massive, 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 massive pickup for the Chiefs. It allowed Frank Clark to move more outside and. Um, They've been dominating ever since Melvin Ingram got there, and it, it's it's really showed. They held the Dallas the Dallas Cowboy offense to nine points last week. I guess that was technically two weeks ago um, when they won nineteen to nine, and that was that was a defensive showcase from the Chiefs of all things. Um, the Chiefs' offense, though, however, has been in question for the past three games as well as all season. The Chiefs against good defenses have gotten two high safety looks all season long. If you watch any of the All Twenty Two film, any of the games against you know good teams with good solid defenses. Solid defensive coordinators. You'll see that they run two high safety looks every almost every single play all game long. Um, and the reason they do that, um, the reason they do that, they, they're daring Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to run the football and take dump off routes and uh, have long drives. And that's something they have gotten better at as of recent. they still at times try to force the ball out of their big play guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, which can hurt them over the top uh, with uh, extra with extra safety help. Uh, but in the past three games, the Broncos have almost matched the Chiefs in a bunch of different categories like yards per play, yards per pass, first downs per game, points per game, and points per play. This matchup between these two teams will be one of the bigger games they'll play all season long, and it was pushed to Sunday night football uh, instead of an 11 a.m. start. The bright lights will be on the Broncos while they try to make get their first win at Arrowhead since 2015, As it stand, and as it stands uh, Monday afternoon, they will head into the game as 10-point underdogs, and if they win – It would match their biggest underdog victory of the season when they beat Dallas a few weeks ago.
1: Wouldn't it be great if you could get McDonald's delivered right to your door? Well, now you can. McDonald's has teamed up with the delivery app, DoorDash. Just download the DoorDash app in the App Store, and you'll see the McDonald's menu. Order your favorite McDonald's food and have it delivered right to your door. It's super easy and convenient to have your favorite McDonald's delivered. Go to the App Store, download the DoorDash app, and have McDonald's delivered to your house or business today.
0: That's if that spread stays. It might move up. Might move down. It could move to eleven. It could move to nine. We'll see. But as of Monday afternoon, they are ten point underdogs. Uh, We will see if the Broncos can pull off the win when they take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, and you can listen to all the action live on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM, KWIO, with pregame scheduled for 4 p.m. and kickoff scheduled for 6.20. Across the rest of the NFL this past week, it started off with a dreadful game when the Bears took on the Lions on Thanksgiving Day to open the festivities, and the game went about as well as you'd expect, ending with a game-winning field goal for the Bears as time expired, to snap a five-game losing streak in a boring, a dull, mistake-ridden 16-14 to game. I could have done without this game right before it was time to eat. It kind of leaves a bad taste in your stomach, and for the love of God, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and if, and for the love of God, can we stop with the Lions on Thanksgiving as a whole? I get it's a tradition, but there's no reason this game should have been played on the second most watched football day of the year. Like, why are we doing that to people on Thanksgiving? Just give us, I we just flex things, man. We do this with the Broncos and the Chiefs. Like I just said, they flex to Sunday night football. Why do we do this on Thursday, man? Nobody wants to watch this when they wake up. It makes me want to throw up. It's terrible. It's awful football, and it makes me want to go take a nap. The second game of Turkey Day was a good one, though. It made up for the first one for sure when the Raiders beat the Cowboys 36-33 in overtime. Dallas also had a franchise record, 166 penalty yards, and the defense surrendered a whopping 500 yards to the the Raider offense. Trayvon Diggs has been a ball hawk, and Micah Parsons looks like a perennial powerhouse at the defensive end spot, but this Cowboys defense is not good enough to make it to the Super Bowl with the way they've been playing. Um, They give up way too many big plays. Trayvon Diggs, even though he picks off a lot of balls, he makes a lot of interceptions, He also gives up a lot of big plays as well, so they've got to figure things out in D-Town. In D-Town, they've got to figure things out if they want to make that Super Bowl. The nightcap of Thanksgiving Day saw the Buffalo Bills demolish the banged-up New Orleans Saints 31-6. The Bills may trail the Patriots in the AFC East right now, but it will be a fight till the end of the season. I'm still not entirely bought into the Bills yet. Uh, The Saints had injuries all over the place. They're missing Kamara. Ah, uh, they're they're playing with Trevor Simeon, um, and they basically relied on him all night. They had you know injuries on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, and when you're relying on Trevor Simeon as their quarterback to be the sole piece of out of offensive output on your game, that is not a good recipe. But for the most part, the Bills beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and they do it by a decent margin. Other than the Texans game, that doesn't count, or is it Jaguars? The Texans or Jaguars. I think it was the Jaguars, now that I'm thinking about that. Whatever. Other than the Jaguars game, they beat everybody else that they're supposed to beat by a decent margin, and they've shown it all season long. So they just got to beat some good teams, man, and I'll, I'll I'll toss it up to them. If they beat the Patriots, I'll believe in them more. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, moving on to Sunday's games. The day started with the Jets picking up a win over the Texans 21-14. to The Jets graced us. Thank you, oh, holy Lord, Jet. The Jet Lord, Mark Sanchez. He graced us with another hilarious play attuned to the butt fumble from Mark Sanchez a few years ago. This time, Sanchez graced us with a beautiful, funny, hilarious play from Zach Wilson, who tried to shovel, scramble and then shovel past it to his running back, Ty Johnson, who began blocking for the scramble, which caused the shovel pass to bounce right off his back and was intercepted by the Texans. I know deep down Sanchez, who is alive, is watching down from heaven and smiling and nodding his head like, yes. This is Jets football. <laughs> the Jets truly have a way of one-upping themselves when it comes to historically hilariously bad plays, but this one ended in a win, so that's an upgrade, I guess. Good for them. They beat the Texans. Good for them. The Jets, they're on their way. Um, the Atlanta Falcons traveled down to Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars 21-14. The Falcons got their best playmaker back in Cordero Patterson, and that proved to be the difference in this matchup with Patterson scoring two touchdowns. He really is their entire offense other than Pitt's but when Pitts isn't playing very good, Cordero Patterson literally does everything for the for the um, for the Falcons on this team on offense. It's insane. But how much he his playbook must be like four feet thick because he's got to know the running back plays. He's got to know the wide receiver plays. He I, I don't know if he kickoffs. He does returns anymore, but he used to do returns for the Vikings when he played for the Vikings. So he may be on the return team as well. He does a lot. I Maybe mean, he's the whole Viking or the full whole Falcons team right now. Um, staying down south, the Miami Dolphins were at home and dominated the Carolina Panthers 33-10. The Cam Newton comeback all but came and went, thanks to this game, with Newton going 5-for-21 with 92 yards, one rushing touchdown, and two interceptions before the being benched in the fourth quarter for P.J. Walker. Meanwhile, the Dolphins had a nearly perfect game. Two only had four incomplete passes for 230 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Jalen Waddle cut nine passes for 137 yards and a touchdown and the Dolphins have quietly won four in a row and have one of the easiest remaining schedules in the NFL. Don't be surprised if they make a push for another uh, AFC wildcard spot later down the stretch. Up north, the those uh, New England Patriots dominated the Tennessee Titans 36-13. At this point, I think Mac Jones is all but wrapped up the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. The only other contender would probably be Jamar Chase if he gets hot again, uh, but the Patriots are the best team in the AFC right now without a doubt, and the injury bug could ruin the Titans' best chance at a Super Bowl since 1999. They came in a few weeks ago, and it was, like, by far the best team in the AFC. They beat the Bills. Derrick Henry was running over everybody. Then Derrick Henry got hurt. And then A.J. Brown was hurt in this game, as well as Julio Jones. And then Ryan Tannehill's throwing to nobody. And then they lost to the Texans, and now they've lost to the Patriots. It's a snowball. It's it's a mess down there in Tennessee right now. Pray for your Tennessee fans. Uh, the Buccaneers traveled to Indianapolis and beat the Colts in a nail-biter 38-31. to The Colts scored with 329 left in the fourth quarter to tie the game up at 31, and I think everyone on planet Earth thought to themselves collectively that it was way too much time for Tom Brady, and indeed it was, with Brady and the Bucs driving 75 yards and eight plays to get the game-winner game with uh, 20 seconds to play, thanks to Leonard Fournette. Uh, Indy nearly took the ensuing kickoff back to the house to possibly send it to overtime and ensue absolute chaos, but... Isaiah Rogers was stopped at the Buccaneer 32, and Tampa held on to that one, uh, held on to the win from there. The most confusing team in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles, traveled to New York and lost to the Giants 13 to 7. The Giants decided to retire the number of the number 92 of Michael Strahan, and the defense, I guess, used that to play their best game of the season, intercepting Jalen Hurts three times and forced four Eagle turnover, Eagle turnovers overall. Uh, the Eagle wide receivers had a serious case of the drops, especially J- Jalen Rager, which all but cost the Eagles the game. If you haven't seen the clip of Jalen Rager dropping both of those passes, it'll make you want to throw up. It's not good. The, I, the, Eagles, the Eagles are cursed when it comes to wide receivers and the drops. That's that's something that's haunted them for years now, it feels like. Um, moving on, another confusing team. The Cincinnati Bengals absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers 41-10. Cincinnati might be the best team in the AFC North, which is incredible, given the fact that coming into the season they were widely predicted to finish last in that division again. But they swept the season series against the Steelers for the first time since two thousand and nine with a win. With that win uh, yesterday, with that win on Sunday, by a combined score of sixty five to twenty for the for the uh, season series. Um, and they beat if they beat the Ravens again at the end of the year, who is going to argue that they aren't the best team in that in that division? Um, in the afternoon games, the San Francisco Forty Nine ers were at home and beat the Minnesota Vikings thirty four to twenty six. The Vikings go from week to week being one of the best teams in the NFL that can hang with winning, with anyone to having your quarterback line up under the guard on fourth and goal late in the fourth quarter, forcing you to burn a timeout and all but costing you the game. Um, it's a it's a tough experience. It's like going on a roller coaster that you know you're going to enjoy while you're on the roller coaster, but then when you get off, you always know you're going to throw up. So it's like a it's give and take. It's the best experience in your life when you're at the very top and then when you get off, you just puke into a trash can near as close to you. And then you just move on with your life and you do it again next Sunday. That's what it's like being a Vikings fan. Uh, meanwhile, the Niners have won their third straight and with a win over the Rams already under their belt are eyeing a wild card spot in the NFC. They can maybe even catch the Cardinals, but um, that's probably that's a much lower percentage probably than the wildcard. Um, the Packers run home and beat the Los Angeles Rams 36-28. Speaking of the Rams, the Rams have looked like a mess these past few weeks, and Matthew Stafford is not innocent of that. He's the first quarterback to throw a pick six in three straight games since Matt Schaub did it in four straight games back in 2013. The Rams have now dropped their third straight game and look nowhere near like the team they looked like at the beginning of the season when we all thought they were a lock, basically a lock for the NFC Championship game. Uh, Finally, wrapping up the Sunday football action, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Cleveland Browns 16-10 on Sunday night football. Uh, It was a bad showing of football from both sides with both teams making crucial mistake after crucial mistake. Uh, with both teams only managing a touchdown as well. And, of course, Justin Tucker for the Baltimore Ravens, kicker for the Baltimore Ravens, nailed three field goals and um, almost single-handedly beat the Browns by himself. Um, it was a terrible game from Lamar Jackson for the most part, but he was undoubtedly their entire offense last night. Uh, they're 8-3, and three, lead the AFC North, and have a chance to make the, playoff, uh, the playoffs run through Baltimore. Um, if Lamar Jackson isn't on that team, they're more like 3-8 and eight right now. So... Let's relax with the with the Lamar slander. I won't be having any of it. He's one of the best in the game. That offense is not very good, and Lamar makes it look very uh, good. I won't say very good, but Lamar makes it look good. They're 8-3 and three right now, basically riding, riding Lamar Jackson. No, no Lamar Jackson slander in my timeline. None of that. Um, none of that. That's going to wrap it up for me, though. That's going to wrap it up for me, ladies and gentlemen. That is your recap of the last weekend, including the NFL Cowboys and uh, college football, and uh, the NFL, college football. What am I forgetting? Local sports, all that jazz. If you're enjoying it, you have been listening to Episode 4. Make sure you tune in for Episode 5 next week. You've been listening to Episode 4 for the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, and I have been your host, James Timberlake.